Hello, Radical RMTs, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Radical RMT podcast. Today, I spoke with Alicia. Alicia Crook is a massage therapist, business coach, author, and mentor to hundreds of therapists worldwide, sharing the tactics she used to create her business success over 16 years. From the early days of treating out of her lounge room, the journey took Alicia to build her dream clinic with a team of nine, treating over 100 clients a week. Alicia then created a very successful online business as well and now teaches therapists how to build businesses with more success and passion and to drive the health industry forward. She works with solo therapists as well as clinic owners helping them create successful businesses and live life on their terms. Alicia lives in Australia, and I spoke with her about what it means to create a deeply satisfying business, how to achieve the same results online as you do in your hands-on practice, and the simple way you can be inspired no matter where you are in your practice. I hope you enjoy this episode with Alicia Crook. Welcome, Alicia, to the Radical RMT podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Krista. I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I'm actually like nervous, excited to have you because of your your business um, with your partner is very well known among the massage therapy community. Even though I'm here in Canada, you'd run your business out of Australia, but you take your your business online and you work with uh, clients uh, all over the world. Um, so I'm just like I'm really excited to speak with you and really to pull some of your your knowledge out and share it with the listeners, and also to to learn a little bit for myself as well. Um, but it's just like your business is massage champions and it speaks so highly to um, like to the work that you and, and your husband are doing for massage therapists. So again, just thank you so much. Um, I, I really, I, I'm just, I hope this goes like super well um, for, for the episode for, for listeners and, and for you. Thank you. What an absolutely incredible introduction. <laughs> I hope it goes well too. Let's do it. <laughs> so can you share with the listeners what your story is from uh, becoming a massage therapist and now going into the uh, the coaching business? So I got into massage uh, at an early age because I was diagnosed with a condition called scoliosis. Uh, I was on a waiting list for back surgery and massage was a really big part of my journey. It certainly helped me to feel more comfortable in my body and it also helped me feel more comfortable with who I am. Uh, I live in a beach town and when you're 15 and your body has a spine like an S-bend, it it's not really fun to go to the beach because you don't look like your friends. Mm -hmm. However, massage was a really big part of my recovery and being okay leading up to the surgery as well. So uh, major back surgery at 15, ribs and discs removed and metal rods either side of my spine and things like that. But I say that story because that's why I got into massage. Uh, and it wasn't just because of the hands-on work that this therapist was doing. It was also the other stuff, uh, the kind of unspoken stuff that was happening in the treatment room. And that really got me excited. That's like, you know, I went and studied and I, I do a technique called Bowen and craniosacral therapy and just 
love hands-on work, but I also love the other stuff. And for a really long time, I've been practicing 21 years now, but for a really long time, I didn't talk about that other stuff. I didn't, I didn't know how to language it. I thought I was just unique and weird, probably still am, but actually there's a bunch of other people who love to work with their intuition as well. Woohoo! That's so cool. <laughs> Uh, and so I started my practice uh, just working hands-on. I worked at a day spa to supplement my income. Uh, then I built up at a chiropractic clinic a couple of days a week and learned everything I could from that business and then moved into my own space a few years later where I had, um, it was just me to start with uh, in one room. And it, it was kind of like that was where I, I spread my wings to go, could I do this all by myself? Uh, I had a job at a gym just one day a week. So the worst case scenario, if no one came in, I knew my rent was covered. So I was like, whew, that's so good. <laughs> you know, I've got that safety net. Uh, and then I, within about 12 months, I needed to hire. So I ended up uh, I had one treatment room. We had five therapists working with me and we were doing split shifts. So we do eight in the morning till two and then two till sort of eight at night. And we were seeing sort of between 30 to 50 clients through the week in the one room. I would say it's accidental success. I wasn't at this point making really good business decisions based on my goals or anything like that. I was just like, oh, well, I do this, you know, hands-on and maybe they could do some hands-on as well. Um, and then we had the opportunity to rent a big space across the road that had three treatment rooms uh, and a reception area. And we fitted it all out and started to become much more intentional with how we ran the business. We tripled our expenses, but we didn't triple our income overnight. So that's probably for me when the learning started. It's about probably eight or nine years ago now. Uh, but it was it was a really big shift from accidental success, hardly any overheads, you know, a few staff, it's all going really well, to then all of a sudden I've got to pay 1500 bucks a month rent, whether I've got it or not. My landlord doesn't care how, how my business is going. Uh, and it was, it was probably a big eye-opener and a, a bit of a rude shock in some ways because it was what I'd always wanted. I also, I, I, we eventually had an osteopath and a naturopath and a life coach working out of the rooms as well. Uh, but it probably the first 11 years was just not even by design. It just kind of happened. Uh, and then the next kind of 11 years have been much, much more intentional with how we've gone about uh, gone about business. So does that kind of give you, is that what you're looking for? Is that giving you a bit of an overview of what we've done? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, can you explain, you said there's some, some of those unspoken elements when you were in a massage treatment that you feel you bring to your practice as well. Um, can you, are you able to explain maybe what one of those unspoken things is? I think the, the one that I didn't talk about for a long, long, long time, and it wasn't until one of my staff said something that I went, oh, you do. And it was where I would get sudden onset chronic pain in my body. Like, for example, I might get really deep thumb pain and I think, oh, dear, you know, what's going on? What kind of treatments have I been doing and what's my posture like and what's my water intake and have I, you know, expanded my clinic load lately or, you know, and when that, all of those checked out and I'm like, oh, why do I have this random pain in my thumb? And then a couple of days later, a client would come in with some headaches and pain in their right thumb. I'd treat it, but my pain would go away. Now, this happened for about 10 years and I didn't speak of it to anyone because I thought, what is wrong with me? Like, 
no one gets sudden onset arthritis in their in their hands or knee pain or you know like it was just it just happened so often and to one of my staff said to me one day oh man my my quads were killing me my lower back was so tight and then I did a pnf stretch on one of my clients quads oh my gosh I feel so much better and I'm like does this happen to you too? And she was like, yeah, all the time. Like for her, like, I, I'm like, got all this embarrassment, shame, like going, oh my gosh, I'm so weird. And she's like, oh yeah, all the time. And I'm like, wow. And speaking to so many other practitioners, it's like, I'm not alone. And not that everybody experiences this, but it's kind of like preemptive pain, feeling your client's pain before they come in. And it's mm-hmm. so bizarre, but I think it also helped my ability to build rapport because I, when I said, you know, like I understand the pain, I wasn't joking. I, I literally <laughs> understood the pain. But also I'd usually tried stuff by then that had started to help. And so I could give advice based on what I had felt in my own body. And it's certainly, just to be clear, it's not every client I ever saw. Right. I'm not walking around this frail, you know, <laughs> sore person all the time. But there was just some times that that happened that I'm like, wow, that's really different and unique. Yeah. Um, and just relating that to like your coaching business, do you feel, do you, do you still feel some of those same intuitive, um, pains or, or struggles before you even get your coaching client on, on a call? That is such a great question. Yes. In some ways I do. And I think, uh, like how I kind of got into coaching was because that kind of the five years that I ran my clinic uh, at the bigger clinic before we scaled back and I moved into the coaching space, there was just so much that happened, so many mistakes, so much joy and fun and so much heartache. You know, when you have a team that you've worked with for, you know, five to 10 years and the laws changed here in Australia and the way we had to pay them and uh, like it was just, it was so challenging to go through times where the team went from a really cohesive, amazing team to absolutely hating on you because you were making decisions that affected them, but they were decisions that were actually in line with the laws that I had to come under in Australia. Mm-hmm. And because of those experiences and what I learned in those, you know, and often that's when we grow in those when we're outside of our comfort zone. I think that then gives me so many elements to be able to coach from because I'm not just a coach who's like, yes, you know, just get some clients. It'll be amazing. It's like there's, there is so much more intuition that goes into it. And often, yeah, I get it because I remember rocking up on that day, you know, and it was so tough. And to be able to listen to somebody who's in crisis mode in their business or listen to the challenges they're experiencing, maybe in their family or even just hold the space. And I don't have to say, look, I get it because I don't know what they're going through, but I can have that level of empathy because I do have an understanding of what they may have experienced. Um, and yeah, I've, I've oftentimes woken up thinking of clients and thinking, oh, I better just check in with them because there's something going on. Um, and now I just trust it. You know, I, I used to kind of resist it and think I was a weirdo. And now I'm like, well, I just embrace the fact that I'm a weirdo uh, and <laughs> trust that as, as I go forward. Yeah, I think uh, in order to be in this profession, there is there is that small element of, of weirdness for for sure. Um, what are some of the bigger lessons that you've learned, um, maybe on the business side then of, of of running your practice from solo to then owning owning a clinic um, with multiple therapists as well? 
There's a great osteopathic principle that I think applies to business as well, and that is structure governs function. Uh, if we think of the hip joint, you know, it's got an 80% articulation surface, so it's quite, we get a lot of stability as opposed to the shoulder that's like got one third, you know, that is articulative surface. So we have a lot more flexibility. And so when you're very first starting out in business, it's okay for it to be really flexible because it doesn't really matter if there's not a lot of structure there. You know, you can message your clients back. You can, um, you know, you can just do things ad hoc and it kind of doesn't really matter too much. It's, it can be a bit more messy and a bit more free flowing. But when you start to bring staff in and you want them to be able to replicate what you do in the treatment room and the way you interact with your clients, I think that that's when having structure becomes really powerful. And, you know, a lot of people talk about systems and fantastic, but I think just having that structure of, and also that understanding of, well, what is it that I want? You know, like, how do I rebook my clients? And how do I roll my towels? And what do I do to have a really high rebooking rate? Is it something I'm saying or is it the way that I behave in the treatment room? And why is that? And spending some time actually understanding why, I functioned the way that I did and what was the structure and, and the elements there. I think that that's probably the first, and I would say that that's a reflective learning, not in the yeah. moment learning, because <laughs> I love to build the plane on the way down. That's a, a really great analogy we have in the coaching business. We're really good at breaking stuff right. and then fixing that and getting it sorted. I think we're probably more less cautious now than we would have been running the massage clinic. Uh, in the coaching business, but we certainly love to just kind of get in there and, you know, oh, 80, 20 it, you know, if, if something doesn't progress over perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think what I really learned when I look back, what worked and what didn't when I contrast the two with staff is being very clear on what it is I wanted from them and my expectation. Um, Brene Brown has a beautiful saying, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. And I think that having really good systems in place for your staff to know what does done look like is very clear and therefore kind. And I think most of us as a practitioner would say that we're, we want to be kind, you know, leaders and bosses and employers if you're looking at going down there. Uh, so I think that that's really, really important. Excellent. Um, yeah, and, and certainly when you were building, yeah, when you were building your practice, you're, you're like you said, the leader. So what, what you're doing is only going to be reflected back in, in your staff as well. Um, what about the, the hiring process as well? Um, if I veer off for a second, what, what does that look like when you're, you're wanting to, to bring on a staff that's, that's going to follow your, your guidelines and, and to create a, a clinic that's cohesive, but also give that, that individuality as well? I think we often talk about niche in marketing. So, you know, we'll often have our client avatar or the, the kind of clients that we want to work with. I think it's really important to niche our staff as well, like to think about what are the kinds of things that you want to see in a potential hire or potential staff member? What's really important to you and what isn't so important to you? Uh, we did have a very <laughs> chatty kind of clinic because that's how I roll. Like um, I'm never short of a few words. Could talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles is what my family <laughs> said of me when I was younger. Nothing's changed except now I have to share the airtime with my kids who talk just as much. So we kind of need a talking stick. Uh, so if that's not your jam, don't hire somebody who is uh, look, I think you can also, people often say, you know, hire your weakness. 
great. But I think if you're asking somebody to do the same job as you, you need someone who is similar, not a carbon copy, but similar. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first step. Uh, the second thing that we did that I think worked really well when we were hiring was once I niched the staff and went, yep, this person's great. I understand why they work really well with their clients because they work similarly to me. Awesome. Then what I did was kind of document as a system how I treated excluding what I did on the treatment table. And so what I mean by that is that there became a standardized way of the way people were greeted through the front door, what they were asked to do, how they were asked to fill in their form, the way that we interviewed them and went through their questionnaire, and the way that we even draped the client. And I kind of think of it like bookends. Uh, and so it's like the therapist, once we got to that point and the client's on the table, you walk on and do what you're qualified and intuitively gifted to do. And some of us were quite different. And that was awesome because if you liked really deep pressure, don't come see me. I'm not going to be the therapist for that. But Nikki, oh my gosh, she will, there'll be people swearing through the walls. And we had to be careful who we were booking on the other side of the wall sometimes because yeah. of how she was. Yeah. And then once again, once the, the therapist has finished the treatment, they do a scalp massage. That's what we would finish with. And then leave the room in the same way that I always had. And what we found is that this was by design, that the clients felt really cared for. It didn't matter who they saw mm -hmm. in terms of practitioner because everything was the same. And, we, you know, I trained all the staff to be like, go through the person's notes if you've not seen them before. You know, have a look at what you've done. Or if you know you're handing them over to someone because you're going away, write down, this person doesn't like their feet being worked on or right. don't do Bowen with this person or, you know, whatever the really important things or ask them about their dog or their holiday or, you know, like, Things like that, that just was, what we used to say it was the one percenters. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was in stage musicals and there was often the director would be like, we're going to do this and this and this. And there's only 1% of the audience that will notice. But when it comes together, it's an incredible production. Mm -hmm. And I think that we we created a space like that in the clinic. And this is over time. It's not just, didn't just happen one day, but it was certainly the way that we designed it so that we could have staff that clients enjoyed coming to, but also they felt like there was that, that unity or consistency of care throughout the team. And I think they're two really big things that help to hire. I think that sounds wonderful. The expectations um, of, the, of the, the client coming in are, are just always, are always met. And that like, that's right from the moment they come in the door, they, and they can share an experience with their friend and that friend will will have the similar experience coming into the clinic. But then, like you said, once they're on the table, then it's, it's kind of free, free reign with who you get as a massage therapist. And um, I think that that's, that's really important as well, because I mean, as I do work in a, a clinic space and I've worked in different types of environments um, for sure, but it's, so I work in a clinic space with different therapists and we all do approach our guests a little bit differently. And maybe there's a little bit of a, somebody approaches the front a little bit slower than, you know, some, somebody else to greet that guest. And, and I think, um, yeah, if you do have that ability to be unif uniformed, then in those respects, like you said, the bookends, I think that would make a really uh, great experience for, for the client. Absolutely. Um, you spoke a little bit about um, 
going online with um, your business as as a massage therapist as well. Um, that's certainly something that I think a lot of us have considered or, or wondered what that would look like, how it would look like. Some some therapists, I'm sure, had had some systems in place already, um, and then some of us did did not. And and some of our regulations really don't have that flexibility as to how we can be a presence online um, as massage therapists. Um, what what would you suggest? for massage therapists who are interested in bringing their business online? Look, I think it, it's, this is such a perfect time in right now. There's never been a better time in history to look at, at going, creating something online. And I, I think the big question that really, that I rumbled with, particularly in 2020, and I saw a lot of our clients rumbling with as well is, and it's kind of a little bit humbling and it's a little bit like, but am I selling my soul? You know, like I say this in the kind of, oh, I, I kind of cringe as I say it, but I do think that there's merit to it. That's what if I could, like, how could I create the same result with my client without me having to be physically with them in the treatment room? Mm -hmm. And my logical brain goes, yeah, but I can't do that trigger point or dig my elbow in. And, I, you know, if I'm not physically touching them, then how can I be helping them? Uh, and so once I kind of go, okay, if that's if that's a set of beliefs, what if I just compartmentalize? I'm just going to pop them over there and say thank you for those beliefs because that's what's helped me as a therapist and kind of entrusted me to know that I'm doing the right thing with my client. Go, okay, well, how could I create the same result? What else, what else do I give them when they're with me? What are the things that I find myself repeating time and time again? What are the kind of aftercare, mm -hmm. stretches, self-care, looking after themselves, things that I could teach them about, you know, even when I can't treat them, like uh, self-care while they're sitting at home or sitting at probably the worst desk ever because they're probably on their bed or doing something terrible on their backs. Like, oh, I have no idea why I'm sore. Maybe. And also because sometimes it's like, I don't want to. If I'm in isolation, I kind of like my, I don't know if you guys have oodies. They're like these oversized hoodie things made out of definitely blankets. seen them. <laughs> They're like apparently they sell one every 20 seconds here in Australia. I know. Like, it is just the best lockdown. And I jokingly say that's my kids' uniform. We've just come out of a, a number six lockdown here. Oh and my gosh. We have them ready to go. So what tends to happen is, you know, we have this idea that we could potentially create something online. So Woody's aside, okay, how could I get the result from my client? And then it's a matter of going, well, what outcome could I deliver? And this could look like something like a subscription model that might be $10 or $15 a month where they get access to, say, a Facebook group or an email or something that's you teaching them something about their health. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of, you know, it, it might not be your next million-dollar idea, but it might be able to generate an income outside of the treatment room without you having to do too much for it because you're going to make one video anyway, you could make it for lots of people. It might look like something that's a seven-day thing. So it's like seven days to better backs or 14-day isolation. You know, if you have to go into quarantine, what are some really great healthy habits that you could put in place that perhaps you could teach your clients so that when they finish, they're coming straight back to you? Yeah. Because I think one of the things that creating a course does is actually sets you up as an authority in the space. Because when you're, it's like when you stand up in front of a room and you're a teacher, there's just this unconscious well, you must be trustworthy, you know, because you're standing in front of a room, therefore I'm going to listen. Even if you then disagree with what they have to say or, you know, something you don't like or whatever, but the start is that there's that person there. Um, it might look like something that's a 21-day or, or a, a four-week 
class, uh, masterclass. It could be a live taught like over Zoom, or it could be taught through email, or it could be taught by pre-recorded videos, you know, and that might be something, you know, you might charge $500 for that maybe, um, and a couple of hundred dollars for your, your seven-day thing. And right up to then like a, a great big life transformation course, it might be like six to eight weeks. And that's usually if we're working with someone at that level that they might be a naturopath or a life coach or uh, have something else other than just hands-on skills or PT that they can actually help people to lose, you know, five kilos or, uh, you know, help with a chronic injury to do with their back or, um, help with anxiety and depression or, you know, whatever they're qualified in, there's kind of different levels that you can go online with. Yep. And I think if you know your niche really well, you're qualified in that to be able to teach it um, and you've got life experience. I think they're the three things that are really important whenever you're looking at creating a course at any one of those tiers. Okay, amazing. There's so many wonderful ideas in there. So, I mean, if, if anybody runs with even one of them, I think that would be incredible. Can we turn the conversation to your coaching and what coaching looks like for, um, for a, a massage therapist? Um, one thing that I like about what, how you and your, your husband describe your, your business is that when you're, when you bring some massage therapist in and you're coaching them, you're not only, you're coaching them about how, how they should like, you know, create a business that's successful, but also who are they as a practitioner as, and, and where are they in their life? And then um, what do they want out of life? And I think this is really important um, because I think a lot of us get into the profession, we put our heads down, we do the work, and then maybe we forget about, well, where do we want to take it? Why are we doing this? Do we, why do we want to create like maybe six figures or, or more in the business? And let me stop talking and let you share your, your vision for it. I love this. This is fantastic. I, I love, like, I love business results. And I truly believe that as a coach, that's really important. Like, firstly, I think a coach has to have life experience and excel in what they're teaching or else it's kind of false. Uh, and secondly, if, if people aren't getting results, I'm concerned, you know, like that's, that's a big part of it. But what I get really excited, like what lights me up massively is who people get to become along the way. You know, it can be easy to go, oh, you know, just do some, do some stuff on Facebook or put yourself out there, you know, do a Facebook live. And most of the time when I suggest, you know, I have the audacity to suggest people try a Facebook live, which is free way of getting your face in front of people. And it's like, if you don't have clients, you don't have cash flow, lives are good. It's not the tech of, well, how do I do it? It's the, oh, holy crap, who do I think I am? Oh, yeah. You know, and if you can walk yourself down off that, then it's like, well, then it's fear of judgment and what will people think and what if I muck up, you know, what if I drop an F-bomb and, you know, what if I, um, uh, you know, when I freeze and it's like, the funny thing is most people don't actually freeze when they're talking to their clients. And mm -hmm. so one of the kind of hacks that I have is I say to people, pick up your phone and put a little post-it note with one of your favorite clients. We're not meant to have favorite clients. We all have favorite clients. <laughs> so you put your little favorite client, you know, name on there and um, pretend that you're talking to them. And I think that, 
I love watching the confidence muscle grow because I think of confidence like a muscle. We don't just, I don't think you're either born with it or you don't. Uh, confidence is something that I do work on. And certainly that's my business persona. And I certainly have a lot of confidence in my private life as well. Most of the time, I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert hundred percent of the time. I kind of shift between, I do like to, you know, close back down as well. Um, but I think when people can do things to get outside their comfort zone and grow that muscle, when less judgment affects them, that's the really exciting stuff. Because when we get to that place, we can charge what we're worth without worrying about it. Um, we can have, you know, we can put ourselves out there. Being seen is no longer scary. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that they're the kinds of things that I see often will hold therapists back from running a really, we call it a deeply satisfying business. You know, that it's not just a business that you're working in because you love it. It's a business that you're working in that is paying you well for the impact you're creating. And you're getting to live life on your terms. You know, if you only want to see 15 clients a week, but you still want to make the same amount of income, raise your prices and be okay with that, you know, and then have the marketing to back that up. Uh, and I think that that's what I really love to see is that transformation between I'm at the mercy of this business that I don't know how to run, like getting behind a really powerful car and not quite knowing what to do. And then showing people and, and watching people go, oh, I put my hands on the steering wheel and then we don't drive all over the place. Oh, cool. Or, okay, I put my foot on the accelerator. Huh. And look, if I ease it on, I just kind of go in this direction. That's awesome. And I think that that's, that's what I get really excited about. Amazing. Um, I mean, and after thousands of coaching clients that you've had, coaching massage therapists and wellness practitioners, what are some of the common blocks that you do see with massage therapists or clinic owners? I think the first one is what we call is I'm just a, you know, I'm just a massage that's therapist that's or I'm okay. just a, a graduate that's only been out three years or I'm, you know, I'm just part time or, you know, like people often use so many terms to minimize or limit their abilities. Um, and I think once they move through that into, you know, maybe I am good enough. You know, what if, you know, I, it's okay that I can place boundaries around my time. And I love watching that kind of transition of overcoming, oh, no, you know what? Massage in particular, we are the only practitioners on the planet who spend an hour hands-on with a person. Nobody right. else does that. And I think even to be reminded of how powerful and profound that is, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, oh, it gives me goosebumps every time, <laughs> 21 years later. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the first one. Uh, and I think sometimes people, one of the other challenges I see kind of towards the other end of the spectrum is when people hit what, what I call the good enough line where things are good enough. You know, I'm seeing, probably seeing enough clients each week. I'm making enough money. Um, you know, things are just kind of handled. And it's not until something shifts, either they get bored of that and decide, why am I, why am I accepting this? Or something happens externally, a global pandemic, they move, they're forced to move. Uh, someone opens up down the road or they decide they want to hire and realise they've got nothing in place to do that. And so, I think that that's when we see people going, not enough, you know, good enough isn't good enough and it's not pandemic proof. Um, and I really need to move into something else in order to and start to create some changes and get some structure in place. And, and like I said before, think about, well, where do I want to go? And then actually reverse engineer that out. What does that look like? What would I have to charge? How many clients do I need to see? What's my intention? What are my gaps? 
Yeah. You know, and I think when we start asking those questions, we see people moving through that good enough line. I think that reverse engineer reminder is is key for sure. Um, yeah, work when working working back. Um, how does a massage therapist know, or how wellness practitioner know when? Like, if you, you did kind of give some examples, but how do they know when they're ready for coaching? Like, they might they might be resonating on exactly some of the descriptions that you just said. Like, yeah, like I'm I'm good enough. I, I feel like it's good enough, but. Um, so how would they know on a, a personal level that they're ready for coaching? Look, we usually say people are ready for coaching whenever they're seeing, you know, five to 10 clients a week and they want to get further. Mm-hmm. So if they want to see, you know, some people's magical number is 15, some people it's 20, some people 25, some people 30, 50, you know, whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. But I think that when you've got to that kind of, once you get to about five to 10 clients a week, at least you've got some sort of income coming in uh, and there's a little bit of cash flow there. And that is often when we find people will reach out and start looking for coaching because it's like, or they're maybe a couple of years in and they're floundering. You know, like they might have a really good week where they see 15 clients like, yes. The next week they see three and go, no, no, I don't want this. I want that consistency. Um, And I think that that's, yeah, I guess the other end we see it is when people are like, I'm ready to hire. So they're ready to go on a big leap um, and they're just not quite sure of how to do that. Um, and occasionally it's when, you know, they'll, they'll reach out to us when they're at breaking point because they're either super burnt out, they're getting injured and everything is a mess. I prefer if people talk to us before that because it makes it a lot easier <laughs> to help them. Yeah. Uh, but certainly they're the kind of times I think we see people starting to reach out for help. Um, but I, I, I think that it's a really internal motivator, mm-hmm. like, and it's just when people, they just know, they're just like, oh, just something's not right. And I want to do this better. And I'm ready to, ready to put in the work and do the things that need to happen. And, and on that little note there, are there ever people who just feel like they're, or not feel like, are you, you've met people who are just uncoachable where they know like you they know they should do something but they're still kind of set in ways and have you ever like it does it happen that there are massage therapists out there who are just uncoachable you can give them the perfect roadmap and unfortunately they're still they're still going to be who they are and and potentially stubborn and and just not implement the plan absolutely okay we are, <laughs> so this is kind of like peeking back the curtain, I guess, a little bit for us. But one of the things that we have is a, a Facebook group that has a few thousand therapists from all over the world. And our intention with that group as a team is to help people be able to go from zero to five to 10 clients a week for free. Mm-hmm. If you went into that group and you followed what we said, you get free content, that you listened to the stuff James and I said, you came to webinars and actually took action on what we did nobody would be struggling like they might be struggling to get to grow more mm-hmm. but realistically if people actually implemented what we gave away for free in our mind yep. that would be that they shouldn't have to and that it means that it doesn't matter if you can't afford working with a coach you get access for free enough stuff that could at least give you a leg up stuff that I would have loved you know yep. back in the day we have a traffic light system of people that we'll work with um, and they need to be seeing five, five to 10 clients a week or else they're, they're a no. They also need to be coachable. And that's having a growth mindset. 
you know, when someone says, okay, you've got to raise your prices, it can be really easy to go, that terrifies the crappers out of me. I don't want to do that because I'm scared is very different to I'm not. No, I couldn't possibly charge more in my socioeconomic area. No, no, I'm not doing it. That's just stupid. Awesome. Rock on in your fabulous life. But we're probably not a values match you know, right. because I like to see the possibilities and I love to help others see the possibilities. And if they're not willing to see those possibilities, completely fine. Please go off, do everything you want to do on your own. But we're probably not going to work well together because in order to succeed, you know, for us to help you succeed, you've got to take action on what we do. It's not a magic pill. Um, and I think that, yes, there are lots of people who are completely uncoachable. Uh, and that's, I, I guess it's hard to say, but it's not from a place of judgment. It's right. just fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And that's what we kind of often are listening for when we're, when we're, when we're wanting to work with people. I think, um, I think what most massage therapists are not prepared for when they get into the profession is is the, the business mindset and then how much that, that relies on, like you said, the growth and personal development mindset as well. Um, and, and that's, yeah, it's so, so true. Um, so let's give the example of um, what, what can a massage therapist focus on? Let's say that, so they're working in a, a clinic, they're an independent practitioner, but they work in a multiple therapist space. And what would be something that they can work towards? Because they get to show up and everything is done for them. They might not have any aspirations of becoming a clinic owner. They could be seeing that steady, like they have that steady clientele. Everything is good. What is something that like you feel that you could just give them that might just tweak what, what they're doing for more success or to give them some more personal um, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Just like, just some more satisfaction or like, yeah. Yeah. yeah look, I think one of the things that I like, if, if things are going well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> like you really don't have to try. If, if things, if you're enjoying that, fantastic. Right. You know, um, maybe check out your rebooking rate. Could you follow up clients, you know, just to give you that deeper satisfaction to, to be reminded sometimes of, oh my gosh, I did help, you know, Mary and Susan and, and this, oh my gosh, and this person, wow. Yeah, this is awesome. But I, sorry. And I think something else that we can, can be doing and that I, utterly love is listening to audiobooks and podcasts mm -hmm. and I do think that this inspires us to take action uh, I know for myself I, I I literally like people binge watch Netflix I binge listen to podcasts like on 1.25 or 1.5 speed because I love it humans are fascinating and I know that whatever I learn and this would be the same if I was in practice as well whatever I'm learning filters through to my clients. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I can't learn something and not share that with the world because honestly, if I think something's amazing, I will literally tell everybody to the point with like, oh, you and you, you know, thing, podcast, book, whatever you're currently, oh, it's just amazing. Everybody yeah. has to read it. And I think that clients get really juiced by that, you know, and I think that they can be inspired as well. I've read an amazing book called The Resilience Project that he talks about a 21-day gratitude journal uh, writing down three things you're grateful for every day and why you're grateful for them. Mm -hmm. I'm 25 days into my 21 days because I really enjoyed it that much. Maths is not my strong suit. And I, I can't not tell people about this, you know, and I think that when we're 
we're kind of if we're not green and growing or if we're not yeah if we're not green and growing we're ripe and rotting yeah. so we can get really stagnant and just bringing in things to inspire you I think can be really powerful and keep the keep things fresh keep your energy fresh as well I think it brings a lot more to the conversation when you are working with clients as well. It creates more of a a deeper connection. Um, You know, it's more than just the superficial conversations. It's more than, than just, you know, what we're talking about now and in the world, um, you know, with the pandemic and yeah, you can really create a deeper connection because you're speaking about more uh, like on a more real, real level Tell me about the partnership that you have for your business um, with your your husband. So uh, my husband was running, while well, I was running my massage clinic, he was running a digital marketing agency. And we didn't, like, he didn't do any work in my business. I didn't do any work in his business. I think the reason that we've been married 21 years this year as well, and I think the reason that we've done so well <laughs> being together and putting up with each other is that being separate businesses was really powerful because if he came home and, you know, he was asking for advice, I'd tell him what I thought. And if he implemented it or not, I don't care. I've got my own business. And he did the same. I'd be, oh, you should do this and this and this. And if I did it or not, he didn't care because he was running his own business. Uh, I started working in the coaching business uh, and he, so he actually went to Manado in Indonesia and visited one of our sponsor children. And he was visiting her in her home with her parents and with this beautiful entourage of people that were just loving on the family and, you know, helping her draw and things like that. It was amazing. At the same time, I was in Las Vegas skydiving at a sales conference. Like we couldn't be any more further apart. And I came back from that going, I'm going to take over the world. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. And he came back going, hey, babe, let's sell everything. I live in Indonesia. And I'm like, <laughs> no way. Uh, we we do have a really great stable relationship. And that certainly created a little bit of <laughs> quite a lot mm-hmm. of instability uh, for a few weeks while we were working that out. Right. Uh, and the outworking of that is he said, well, how about I sell my business and come and work with you? And I was like, hell yeah. And so it went from Alicia Cook business coaching for massage therapists to massage champions. And we made a commitment in, in that for him to come on board and in order to be able to, to continue with the impact that he had seen happen in Monado was that we would sponsor a child on behalf of every client we work with in our 12-month program. Mm-hmm. So we now have 55 sponsor kids that we look after each month. Uh, because we just love the heart-centered approach of what they have. And for them, it's absolutely the same as what we do here. So we love to see therapists get business results, but it's who they get to become. They love to feed kids, uh, you know, get them out of poverty but and educate them, but it's who they get to become. Mm-hmm. And we just love the fact that that's working simultaneously. In 2019, when we could still travel, uh, we took our kids over to Monado to visit the, the few projects that we support. So we actually get to see what's happening hands-on on the ground. And that just, oh, so exciting. So James started working with me in 2016 or 20, yeah, 2016. We wrote the book, fully booked to that burnout in 2017. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey and not one that we planned. We, we kind of usually do set that intention to work backwards and stuff. This wasn't like that. He just literally woke up one day and said, I think I want to sell the business, come work with you. And he wasn't in a great place at the time. And I'm like, I'm trying to match his energy. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's a great idea. Sure. And he left the work and I literally went berserk. I was so excited. Like, you know, one of the things that I learned looking back at that is to have courage to ask for big, scary and fun things mm-hmm. because I never set that intention that he would come and work with me. But 
I so wanted it. Like, and it was like, yeah, it was pretty, so it was pretty powerful. And then when, when he started working with me, we kind of butted heads quite a bit because we're both used to doing our own thing. Yeah. Uh, and we had to create some structure. You know, we, we gave each other portfolios, even though we literally sit at the same desks most of the time in our home office. But that clarity was really helpful. I don't have to worry about marketing and sales because that's what he handles. And he doesn't have to worry about delivery and finance because that's what I handle. Having said that, we both do a lot of both, but it's who's responsible for the outcomes of both those things mm-hmm. um, and making sure those key metrics are being met. So it's really great fun to work with your life partner in business as well uh, and work at home, especially when you're home learning with kids through a pandemic. It's look, I, I, I highly recommend it to anyone um, as long as you're willing to put in the work to make it happen because it's <laughs> it can be testing if the business isn't going well or the relationship's in a bit of a challenge. It affects everything. Yeah. Um, so we think we have to be really mindful of that. And as long as we are, it, it goes pretty well. Amazing. Is there anything, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, to share with the listeners um, or any, any other words of, of wisdom? I think, I feel like I've given you a long answers for everything that I've said unintentionally. So I'm like, I feel like it's probably plenty in there for them to be able to, um, to, to get from sure like yeah I don't think yeah. there's anything else I wanted to cover I think there is a lot of wonderful information um for therapists to learn about you and then what actions they can take in their own business so moving forward how can uh, the listeners reach you find you follow you get in touch with you you can go to massagechampions.com to find out all the stuff that we do. Uh, we've also got a, uh, you know, Facebook. You can go to Alicia Crook at Business Coaching um, for Massage Therapist and Instagram Massage Champions as well to find us all, all, the, all the good stuff. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for making arrangements for with different time zones. Um, this was really wonderful to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. I really appreciate it. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Radical RMT with Alicia Crook. I encourage you to check out Massage Champions to learn more about how you can take your hands-on business online and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, and share it with another Radical RMT. Your reviews and feedback help me to bring you more inspiration from radical RMTs who are also radical humans. If you would like to get in touch with me, I am Krista at theradicalrmt.com. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have an awesome day.